couple of months ago, I was flying into Tulsa, and as our airline began to descend into the Tulsa airspace, the pilot began making his announcements, uh, the weather outside, the humidity outside, local time in Tulsa, all that good stuff. And then he concluded by saying, thank you for choosing to fly American Airlines. So likewise, I want to say thank you for choosing to have me here this morning. <laughs> thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for your welcome. I've been here several times over the last few years, and it's always a joy to come back to Hope Unitarian Church. I love the name of your congregation, Hope. Hope is more than a four-letter word. Where there, where there is life, there is hope. And I see hope here. But the deeper truth I would contend is, where there is hope, there is life. Hope is what causes us to live and move and have our being. Hope is what animates us. If it wasn't for hope, I wouldn't get up each morning. So what breath is to the physical body? The reality of hope is to the human spirit. And so this is a wonderful congregation. Um, Kathy asked me to preach a few weeks ago, and um, uh, last week I was thinking about what to share with you, and I was talking to my daughter, and she had some ideas, and she asked me whether she could preach. So I said, I shot, I sent Kathy an email, and she said, wow, sure, welcome. <laughs> so this is her first uh, sermon uh, in front of a congregation, so she's going to remember this probably for the rest of her life. And I <laughs> so thank you for, 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 for your generosity. And Kathy also mentioned, maybe you should, you should probably tell us a little bit about your journey and talk about yourself. And I'm very uncomfortable talking about myself and my story. And of course, we've already heard a lot of stories, personal stories in the political season that we are in. So I don't want to add and, uh, to, uh, with my story. But coming, driving up here this morning, I thought, hmm, maybe I should share a short, brief story about my journey. Uh, like we read this morning, Grateful for the winding road. I'm grateful for the winding road that brought me to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this year is a very significant year for me. Uh, 2016, it marks the 20th anniversary of my coming to the United States. So 20 years ago, to uh, 1996, I flew into O'Hare as an international student and took a connecting flight to West Michigan, but I was accepted as a student in a graduate program uh, in a school that was not, uh, I, I was not affiliated with that school in terms of faith or, you know, I was an outsider. <laughs> and uh, they were gracious to give me a scholarship. Um, and it all happened in the last minute, and uh, I, had, I, had no, I had no idea where I was going to stay. So this was before I had access to email back in India, so I sent them a fax saying, I need, I need housing uh, and they sent me back a fax saying, all our housing is taken up. You're too late. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I didn't know where to stay. I didn't know a single soul in the city. Um, I, uh, and, they, and, they, and, I, and I was flying into the U.S. over Labor Day weekend. Uh, so it was Saturday. 
And they said, usually we can't find anybody on campus. The school hasn't started yet. So we'll see if we can find someone to, say, uh, to meet you at the airport, and maybe they can help you get to a hotel. So I said, okay, and uh, wasn't sure that, that was going to happen. And they for fortunately found, found a Canadian student who was, <laughs> who was free on Labor Day weekend, and she came to the airport to meet me. And uh, we drove around and finally located a, a hotel to stay, the Red Roof Inn. So uh, on, on Saturday, about 10.30, um, and while she was leaving, she said, would you like to go to church next, uh, tomorrow, this Sunday, to the next day? And I said, uh, sure. And so she met me the next day and uh, took me to church. And she says, well, I normally don't go. I've never been to this church. I've heard a lot about this church. Um, you would love this church. It's, in the, it's an inner city church, Madison Square Avenue uh, church. Uh, you'd like it. It's about 1,500 people, very diverse ethnically. You would love it. So I said, great. Um, so she takes me to this church. Uh, we just arrive about 10 minutes before the service. Uh, I find an empty row sit there, so she, Joyce and I, sit there, and um, in a few minutes, a couple walks by, and they sit next to us, and um, they introduce themselves, I, I introduce myself, and they ask me where I'm from, I, I say, I'm from India, and say, what are you doing here, I said, I'm a student, and they ask me, where are you staying, I said, I'm staying at the Red Roof Inn, and the service began, and um, and um, at the end of the and during the often the the offering time, I I heard them, I saw them converse, you know, whisper something. And at the end of the service, um, they looked at me and said, uh, "We are, we are, we are driving down, driving up to Canada, Toronto, Canada, to see our family. We won't be here for a week. Here's the keys to our house." And um, car keys, whatever you want, just make yourself at home. They don't know my last name. They don't know who I am. Um, no background check. Uh, I mean, I'm, there's all kinds of problems. And this, this is a physician. I, I didn't know that at that point. And his wife was a clinical social worker. I'm so that was my first 24 hours in America. And I thought, I, I thought of that story this morning driving up. And I said, wow. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll meet many people in our journey, and I'll be willing to go the extra mile. I'm not saying you have to give the key to your home, but are you willing to go the extra mile in someone's journey? I'm probably taking up Joanna's time, so I better conclude my reflection here, but maybe I'll come back another time and share a little bit more. <laughs> Joanna, if you want to come and... Good morning. Good morning. It's such a blessing to be here. And although I don't quite remember asking to preach, I am very thankful for the winding road that has led me to this hill on the top of a church. And one thing that I've always been so grateful for when I've been here is the willingness of this congregation to show love and your search for both God and truth. And you've created such a beautiful atmosphere here. It's so serene, and you've filled it with so much of God's handiwork that in being thankful for it, anyone who enters can't help reflecting on his nature as well. 
And another great blessing I've been given in being able to share with you, however it did happen, is that so many people have prayed for me and have prayed for this little part of my journey. And so before we go any further, I would love to pray with you. O God of life and truth and light, I thank you for the journey that has led us here to this place that we might journey together. I thank you that you have given us this space to share with each other and to share about you. And I pray that the words of my heart and the meditations of my spirit will be acceptable to you as I speak, O Lord. Thank you. So today, one thing that I would like to do for my sermon is that I would like to use a well-beloved story of today to sort of connect us to God's stories and in that help us connect them to our own in our own journey. And so today's story that I have for you begins in China in the time of the Hun invasion where a young girl was looking to get married. And so she in the process of a two-minute song, prepared herself for this great process because as the song told us, the one way a girl could bring honor to her family was by striking a good match. And so through this song, uh, we learn that even though she has this sort of carefree attitude about this process, the process that is happening is hugely important both to her society and her family. But through a horrible twist of events, everything that can possibly go wrong does go wrong. And at the end, she is thrown out of the house of the best matchmaker in China and told that she will never be married. And so as she makes her way home, she is feeling perhaps we can imagine, even though this process might not have been personally important to her. It is so important to her society and to her family and to where she thought that her journey would go that we can imagine she is feeling rejected and unfit and unlovable. And so she turns to her home and she tries to take solace in the one thing that has always been there for her, her family and the nature around her. But even this falls flat because a courier from the empire comes to her father's doorstep and tells her that her father has been drafted to go to war. And not only is the beautiful country that she always felt safe in at risk for invasion, but her own father, who had served the emperor before and whom she thought was too old to serve the emperor ever again because he was so feeble, has been called into service. And she has no clue what to do. The only opportunity that she thought she would have had at saving her father might have been through marriage, but she has been turned down for even this, and she has no clue where she is going. And in our journeys, we often think of them as a trip from one set destination to another. But what is so interesting about the journey of our heroine at this point is that she not only knows not where she is going or where she is, but she doesn't even know quite who she is as she stares at her reflection. And so it is this point that we see her begin her journey. And I would like to share a clip with you of how it starts.
stop it there. <laughs> All right. So it's often been said that rock bottom is good solid ground, and a dead end is a good place to turn your life around. But in Mulan's case, when she had faced such a great storm as we can imagine, rock bottom seemed like the most shaky ground in the world. And that wall that seemed to be a dead end was crumbling around her, and even as she tried to cling through it, slipping, the rubble was slipping through her fingers. And we see her begin her journey, and she goes into the house of her ancestors, and she lights incense, and she kneels before them, and she prays. And in life so often, we see God all around us, but there is something so special and essential to beginning a journey by going into a sacred place and allowing yourself to kneel. And there is power, I believe, in those moments and in those movements. And as we see that part of her journey, we can begin to see her gain strength and faith for the steps ahead. The next thing we see her do is to walk on padded feet into the house and room of her father, and she picks up his scroll, his decree from the empire that he must go, and she leaves her comb that was a sign of what she would get married in its place. And as she performs this movement, we can interpret that perhaps she was replacing her old fate with a new one. But I believe there was something so much more powerful in the grasping of that scroll, because that scroll was from the emperor. And she could have sought counsel in a thousand different places. And she could have sought counsel from her family or from a friend. But we see her pick up these instructions from her emperor, as if she knows that they are the true thing that could guide her and the only thing that could keep her safe and ensure the legitimacy of this very risky mission that she's about to undertake. The next action we see is that she, the cutting of her hair. And in some part, this is the most final action because it is from this action that there is no turning back. She seals her fate as her hair falls to the ground. And we think that... Perhaps this action may not have been necessary. I mean, all the guns, guys wore buns back then. She could have tied it up differently, perhaps. This wasn't maybe a necessary step. But as her hair falls to the ground, we realize that by perhaps cutting out this part of herself, she was able to gain something far deeper. And it reminds us of all the times in life that in our journeys we have to cut out parts of ourselves for the journey ahead because they are unable to come with us. And it, we can often grieve over these parts of ourselves that we feel we are losing. But I think that at, we can also look at it as not the cutting out of something valuable, but the letting go of something that allows us to journey safely to our destination. Her next action is to put on armor. And many times we put on armor in life to protect ourselves from others and to protect others from her, ourselves. But Mulan's armor comes from her emperor. And as she wears it, everyone that sees it knows a sign of who she, it is a sign of who she is. It is a sign of that she is a warrior and for whom she fights. And while she wears it, nothing is able to touch her. But as she journeys in this new state, even her own beloved horse, whom you think would recognize its master, 
does not recognize her. And many times our journeys can change us so deeply and transform us that those who even know us best may not be able to recognize us. And that, I think, is the most striking part of her journey at this moment. It is not her bravery and her honor, although those actions and those qualities are so so deeply rooted in this story where she is willing to become a soldier and to dress up as a man and to fight in her father's place in the army knowing that she very well may be killed if who she ever truly is is really found out just to bring her father a second chance and to bring her family and perhaps herself a second chance but the most striking thing to me is that in this journey she strikes out alone and as she leaves we think of all the journeys that we have and many times as Mulan feels like everything she loves is at risk and she's fighting for everything that she loves the thing that sometimes we want is not a victory against the thing that we are fighting it is someone to fight alongside us and with us and for us and that is why we breathe a sigh of relief as this little cricket hops along and slips into her pouch because in life, we often think of God as big. We see him in the sunrises and the mountains and the sunsets. And God is in all of those places. But he's also there in the still, in the small, in the quiet, when all you can hear are the crickets chirping and all you feel is alone. And I am not privileged today to know where each one and every one of you are in your journeys. But I hope that you know wherever you journey, you do not journey alone. And I believe that there is a God, a God of love, of love so ex- unexplicable that I cannot quite express it. But I'm hoping that you would allow me to share with you the words of a song that I think capture the essence of this God who loves us enough to cradle us in the palms of his hands. I know some of the words may be different than what you believe, but I hope that you are allow- able, despite this perhaps, to Allow this love to capture you. You are a fortress. I am under siege. You're a light in the forest. I am a lost boy out in the trees. So I run away home. Yes, I run away home to you. Don't be scared. It's all right. It's a burden you were not meant to shoulder. But you bear so much light. And it's brighter each day we get older. And I know that you're broken too, but you are a sacrament. God has spoken through you. He's spoken through you. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. And the banner that hovers over us is older than time. So I run away home. Yes, I run away home. I believe in the love of the Father, and I believe in the power of grace. I believe that he brought us together. You are my one safe place. You are my one safe place. God, as we have come here today and we have gathered together, I am reminded of the journeys that we each take and the journeys of your Apostle Paul, a man who sought you with all of his heart. And yet, in the early parts of his journey, 
persecuted those who sought you as well because he was not able to understand your love. But I thank you that your love is so great that you were able to break through this understanding that he had and turn him around and knock him to the ground and cause him to chase after you. Wherever we go and wherever we journey, as we walk out of this place, I pray that you will fill us with this sort of love and let it overflow from us into a world around us that is so desperate for love and desperate for you. And I pray that as we go into this world and in times in our journeys we are called to step out alone, that we will remember your words. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do so super abundantly more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Jacob.